Welcome to the Arlington Street Church podcast. Boston Sanctuary since 1729, Arlington Street continues today as a gathering place for progressive people of faith in the Boston metropolitan area and beyond. Please visit ASCBoston.org for more information about this historic Unitarian Universalist congregation. We're located at the corner of Arlington and Boylston Streets in downtown Boston, Massachusetts. Arlington Street Church, gathered in love and service for justice and peace. This is a very powerful, moving, and intense week for Christian believers. For them, this week marks the time in Jesus's earthly life when he was finally revealed as and actually became the risen God. These are seminal, foundational, and most meaningful and meaning-filled moments in Christianity. Today, around the world, many of our Christian sisters and brothers are celebrating the liturgical feast of Palm Sunday. For them, Palm or Passion Sunday marks the beginning of Holy Week, during which many observant Christians will attend services on Thursday, Maundy Thursday, marking the night of the Last Supper and the arrest of Jesus, on Friday, which is Good Friday, marking the day that Jesus was sentenced and put to death by capital punishment, and even on Saturday, Holy Saturday, marking the Easter Vigil, where Christians gather together in longing for comfort and hope that is cultivated in prayerful and expectant waiting. And then again, finally and jubilantly on Easter Sunday. Easter Sunday morning, often at sunrise, marking the precise moments when the risen Jesus, unrecognized as such, first appeared to the three women who had gone to his tomb that sunrise to tend to his body to stave off its inevitable decay. For Christian believers, those very first rays of that sacred paschal sunrise mark the very first signs of the unfolding Easter miracle. The morning hangs a signal that is about to reveal itself, and it is resurrection. And as as important as all of this is to Christianity, that is not at all what we are going to talk about today, nor is that why we mark this Palm Sunday. Instead, we are looking at the man, Jesus, and the way he led his life or lived his lessons and ministry. So rather than considering what makes him divine for Christians, we are going to examine what makes him such a unique and amazing human being to us. Why he was such a great man who is worthy of our knowing, studying, and perhaps even emulating. But by far, 
the most important reason we look at the human Jesus today, while so many others are beginning to celebrate what makes him their God, is because Jesus the man is the very taproot of Unitarian Universalism that we know and love today. The covenant that we seek to fulfill in our daily lives. I know that often it is very difficult for some of us to even consider Jesus. Maybe this is because so many of the followers of Jesus seem hate-filled or often hateful. These particular followers of Jesus seem to want to make so many of us suffer, or even worse. Those people, however, are not Jesus. This reminds me of something that's going on in our current political arena where candidates are having ascribed to them the behaviors, the beliefs, and the statements of individuals or groups who happen to follow or endorse them. As difficult or as foreign as it may seem, please let us, just for this morning, set aside those beliefs and behaviors of many of Jesus's followers and endorsers in order that we might look at the person himself, Jesus, the individual, the very human Jesus, the so-called historic Jesus. As we'll hear a little later on, this is the way in which many of our Unitarian forebearers viewed and revered the Jesus of Nazareth. Great pleasure and insight can come from this exercise because I've got to tell you that Jesus would have been the consummate, the ultimate Unitarian Universalist of his day. He could have practiced his Judaism while sharing its wisdoms and rituals with his other followers, some of whom were Israelites, but others who were Samaritans and other tribal members, and even possibly some of the occupying Roman troops. Jesus taught them and showed them that it was possible for people from such varied and often hostile traditions to join together around one welcome table, to share in breaking bread, sharing wine, and breaking down the social and spiritual barriers that fracture the lives of all who live under those barriers. With Jesus himself, it is absolutely clear that no person no person, regardless of gender, origin, class, or occupation, no matter how sinful, how ritually impure, how demonically possessed, no matter what nationality, what belief, oppressor or oppressed, was forbidden from Jesus's table. Jesus's posse was a community of people who would never otherwise in a million years have found themselves at the same worship table, let alone breaking bread together at the same dinner table. Does that sound familiar? Add to that the mix of all of those shiftless seekers, 
men and women, married and single, who had left their jobs, their families, their spouses, and their places of birth to follow this illegitimate child of an unemployed drifter from a backwater, no-name town. Add to that the fact that he traveled with, intended to, and even healed the most marginalized, hated, and outcast people of his day. Yet even with all of that, Jesus had the audacity to call himself rabbi, teacher, to purport to tell the most powerful, wealthy, and complicit religious authorities of his time that he had the answers, that his values should be the standards by which the community operated. So very much of what Jesus said and did in his lifetime is based on what we know today as absolutely and unassailably Unitarian Universalist values and principles. He shares membership in the Heretics Club, Many in the Israeli, Israelite religious hierarchy and orthodoxy, defenders of the status quo, labeled Jesus a heretic, a label that we have proudly and vocally claimed for centuries. Jesus' message and ministry were radical and prophetic. Jesus taught and practiced radical welcome, radical hospitality, and radical love. Jesus lived the principle of the inherent worth and dignity of every individual long before we Unitarian Universalists ever coined that phrase. So this confluence of values and actions in the Jesus of his time and their similarity with Unitarian Universalism today is no accident. What is so remarkable about this liturgical time in Western Christianity and the chain of events that unfold and are marked during Holy Week for us is that they most powerfully evidence the humanity and the human vulnerability of the person Jesus. Aside from any theological implications, the events of Holy Week starkly and irrefutably expose is Jesus was put to death. Jesus was put to death by the state authorities using the form of capital punishment reserved for traitors and the most heinous criminals because he was as much a political prisoner as he was guilty of violating any customs or commands of the Israelite hierarchy. After all, history proves that Jesus was a far greater threat to the Romans than he ever was to the Israelites of his time. Examining and even celebrating the life and ministry of the historical Jesus, the man Jesus of Nazareth, who lived at the time of the dawn of the Common Era, is a premise and a pillar on which this very church is built and dedicated. It is also no accident that this Jesus is so powerfully and breathtakingly depicted in the windows that illumine our worship space. 
to be certain, Jesus is not a deity, and Jesus is not the divine for us. But he is one of our most powerful and influential role models for who we are as Unitarian Universalists today and who we can become as Unitarian Universalists tomorrow. In the words of the Reverend Dr. Edward Frost, for us, such remarkable human beings as Jesus of Nazareth were not models of supernatural perfection, but are models of human possibility. The 19th century Unitarians in America argued that Jesus did not save us by dying as God, but saves us, transforms us, by being a powerful example of human possibility. Jesus did not come to be worshiped. Ralph Waldo Emerson and Theodore Parker and William Ellery Channing of this very church said, but to be emulated, we are not saved by his death, but by the example of his life. And it is true that we do follow the example of his life rather than the meaning or the impact of his death. Jesus was emphatic and unequivocal when he declared the greatest commandments overriding all others were love the Lord your God with all your might and love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. And this vision that Jesus promulgates is not just one of his own creation. Indeed, the great rabbi Hillel said of the Torah that what is hateful to you do not do to your neighbor. That is the Torah. All the rest is commentary. Jesus declared without equivocation that humanity was not made for the Sabbath, but that the Sabbath was made for humanity. And in the process, Jesus tended to human suffering, thereby showing us that human suffering requires more attention than adherence to rules or traditions that in any way perpetuate that suffering or any oppression. Who would Jesus oppress? Upon whom would Jesus inflict suffering? No one, absolutely no one. Jesus interacted with, touched, and healed many of these most powerless and marginalized people of his time, and he ministered to them with respect and with love, recognizing their basic human dignity. Jesus took what little power and status he had and conferred it upon and shared it with whoever he came in contact with, whoever needed it, or whoever might need yet another chance to get it right in their life. And by doing that, Jesus moved beyond patterns of behavior and belief that did not allow for many cultured or religiously diverse communities to live as communities of equals or as allies. 
In the words of the late William Sloan Coffin, chaplain of Yale University and minister of Riverside Church in New York, Jesus subverted the conventional religious wisdom in his time. We have to do the same. The answer to bad evangelism is not no evangelism, but good evangelism. Good evangelism is not proselytizing, but witnessing, bearing witness to the light that shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Bearing witness to the prophet's cry, let justice roll down like mighty waters, and to the prophetic insight that we all belong to one another. Jesus himself offered and in fact was a shared fabric of belief in the entire human quilt to all who affirm wonder and gratitude for creation and for each other and for all of the family of creation. Jesus said, love creation and the creator, which also means loving each other. It's like two circles of love coming together and overlapping somewhere in the middle to form a third circle where the chalice light of love for all of creation glows. That light saves all of creation in its glow without regard to any part that might be messed up or rendered or impure or that somebody else says cannot be saved. That circle, that light is where we seek to be. That circle, that light is where the man Jesus lived. It's where he created it, at the intersection of the goodness of creation and the goodness of its creator. Yes, this is in stark contrast to many of his most vocal followers, but Jesus the man is most clearly at this place of common humanity, common love, and common ground for all. As we enter into this Holy Week, may we too seek to live in that circle, to live in that light. Amen.